praise the Lord. So what I'd like to share with you, what I believe is the Father's heart tonight, is how are we living between the cross and the return of the Lord? I could be more specific and say, how are we living between the cross and the rapture? But I'll leave it at the return of the Lord. Amen? Because that's where we're sandwiched in between right now. If you're a believer on the Lord Jesus Christ tonight, you're sandwiched in the time zone between the cross and the return of the Lord. So let's just go through a few. There's lots more that I didn't come up with, but let's start off for the sake of this CD or this sound wave. Our individual faith, believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, confessing him as Lord and Savior, believing with our heart that he died, he was buried, and then he rose again from the dead, and that Jesus is God. He is the second person of the Godhead, not just a good teacher, good prophet, some great guy. No, he is God himself that came and took on human blood, uh, body, flesh, and walked among us. And that is what we believe as born-again believers. So believing uh, on the Lord Jesus Christ, having your sins forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. The Lord said this to me, and I'm just going to throw it in there. If you're dealing with guilt and shame of past mistakes, past sins, the Lord wanted you to be reminded of a truth tonight. He, in his sovereignty, has chosen to forget your sins. Let that sink in. Because we all shout and all believe and all know about the forgiveness of sins. But do we really value that God forgot your sins? He has no memory of it. Now, we are human beings. We like to say we forgive and forget. But sometimes we don't forget. But God does. And he has promised us us that many times through scripture. And we all need to get that. You can go up to the Lord and wail and travail over something you did a year ago. And he'll look at you like you're weird. What are you talking about? Well, you know what I did such and such. No, I really don't. That is how he is. And we need to get that. That's super important. A little bunny trail he threw in for somebody here tonight. Get it. Believe it. Receive it and move on. Forget it yourself because God has. Amen? So our individual faith is, you know, repenting of sin and repenting if you need to today, yesterday, or tomorrow. Yes, Jesus died on the cross one time, and he's not getting back on the cross for your sins today or tomorrow. Amen? But if you sin and you know it, you need to repent from this way up. The spigot of forgiveness and forgetness is on in heaven with a do not disturb sign. But we need to come back into relationship with the Lord. And that's why we need to repent upward. Amen. That eliminate that sloppy grace that's going out there that you don't need to repent anymore. I don't know about you, but I do. Right? Thank you. 
I love that participation. You know, when you participate with truth, you get a double dose. You do. Because now you're active in agreement. You're active in the truth of it. If I don't speak truth, then don't say amen. But if I do, you should be getting a double dose from it. Yeah, I believe that. That's truth. Participate in truth. It's really important because truth is a big deal on the earth right now. So repenting and getting right, getting a born again uh, spirit of God within you, Christ in me, the hope of glory, getting water baptized. Um, You might say, well, I don't need to get water baptized. The thief on the cross didn't. And I've heard people say that to me. But, you know, God's going to sort this all out in the end. We're not the judge of any of this. But if the word of God says to be water baptized and you can, you should get water baptized. If you're able to, um, I love to see what Jesus did. He got water baptized. So if I'm able to get water baptized, I should get water baptized. That's the way I look at it. Uh, we're commanded to do all the gospel, not just tear, uh, t- tearing pieces of the Bible out. That's not for me. That's not for me. Which leads us to the fourth one, which is baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, you might be thinking that's for somebody, but not me. I've heard lots of people say that. But that's not what the Lord says. Do you value what the Lord says over what you think? See, I do. I value more what God says, how he thinks, than I, than I do. And he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's all, it starts off with Acts, Pentecost, you know, and, and, and believing to receive your prayer language because there's so much in Ephesians about speaking the mysteries of God, speaking the perfect will of the Father. Is that important to you? See, if it's not important to you, then this is not important to you. But be real and be honest with yourself and say, it's not important to me. Okay. But if it is, (laughs) pursue truth, grab it, go for it. Find somebody who's operating in it and get help in getting all of God. My classic statement is you can have as much of Jesus as you want. How much do you want? That's up to you. I will tell you what God, you know, God knows your every thought. He knows exactly what you're going to do from here on to your last breath. You know what he takes great pleasure in. Anybody want to know? I don't see any hands. Anybody want to know what he takes great pleasure in? He takes pleasure in your growth. In your growth, how you're growing up in him, how the fruit of the spirit's being developed in you. That's what he takes pleasure in. He loves that. Don't you parents love to see that in your kids? When they make a good decision, they make a right decision. Don't you go, wow, how can I bless that child? I feel that way as a Nana. I'm sure you parents feel that way. Well, he's our father. He's our father. He feels that way. So we are commanded to do these things that he says in the word, and that's what it means to obey the gospel. 
Don't tear pages out because you don't believe it or you don't think it's right. You're going to miss what God has for you. Take it all while you can because there's coming a day that that's not going to happen. Amen. In the flesh. Romans 1 says that there'll be no excuse. And I wanted to read this out of the NIV. Um, This is really important. It says the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth. What is the truth? What? What is God's truth? The word. It is the ultimate truth, the absolute truth. It's forever settled in heaven. It's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It's not moved by culture or opinion of men or lies of the enemy. Amen. Who suppress the truth by their wickedness since, since what may be known about God is plain to them. Because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature has been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. That's a sobering scripture. It is. Makes me shake to the core. So everybody knows something about about God from the creation around them, his power, from their own consciousness, and the atheist has no excuse. He has forced himself to believe a lie. All right, so back to Jesus, believing everything that uh, is in the word of God, um, salvation, water baptism, being filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the pilgrim's progress. Now, can I have a show of hands of anybody who read the book or saw the YouTube movie of Pilgrim's Progress? I see a lot of hands. I have been told, and I've seen this many places, it's in over 200 languages. And next to the Bible, it is the most published book. Is that something that we should all read? Or at least get on YouTube and watch the little animated movie of it. I've watched it three times this year. Every time I watch it, I get something else. It's a powerful, powerful movie. I really recommend, if you got about an hour, to just pull it up on YouTube and watch it. It is what the title is, Pilgrim's Progress. And that's what we are. We're all pilgrims in this big wilderness waiting between the cross and the return of the Lord. And it's a lifetime journey. And Jesus just keeps on helping us, keeps on empowering us from faith to faith, glory to glory. He's right there. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. The Bible says, seek the Lord while he may be found. I just have some questions you don't have to answer, but what are you seeking? What are you looking for in your life? Pleasure, popularity, prosperity. What do you devote most of your time to? What do you dream about? What occupies your time? 
Good questions. The Bible says the first thing to do is to seek the Lord. Do you ever wonder why he created you in the first place? Why did he put you down here? He wants you to seek him. He wants to be found. He is surely seeking us. He created us to be on this planet so that we will know his heart. There's a lot of people who don't find him because they're not looking for him. One day we will all stand before the Lord with a book of life about our entire life, all the things we did, and it'll be opened up. And I don't know if that's important to you, but it's, it's important to me. Number two, living between the cross and the return of the Lord. Continual service. The word there is continual. Keeping at it. However long we have to wait until his return, faithful service is so important, and that is the entire week. What we all want to hear from the Lord is, well done, good and faithful servant. Servant. With God, all work ranks the same. He's not so much interested in what job you do as how you do the job. We seem to be more concerned about what job we have, but he isn't. He's more concerned about how you do it. And that's really what he's looking for. Good work, faithful work, people he can rely on at any job. So let's value work. And what, I, what do I mean by that? If you're a mom, you're doing the work of the Lord. If you're a homeschooler, you're doing the work of the Lord. If you're a nurse or a doctor or any occupation, you are doing the work of the Lord. All you guys out there in carpentry, Steve made a lifeguard chair for the VBS. That's the work of the Lord. All that's important to the Lord. Your skills, your talents that God has given you. Reba and Daryl back there, farmers. I have reaped some of their produce. Anybody else here? And their cows, their meat. I'm so glad that they're uh, doing the work of the Lord. See, God leveled the playing field. Jesus leveled the playing field. All work is important to the Lord. So we, gotta, we, got, we have to understand that and, and really value what it is that we are doing, what job God's given us. You know, uh, those in the Bible who were called to what we would call full-time work or full-time ministry, they all had to qualify in a trade, in a profession, either as a fisherman, come on, tax collector, tent maker, shepherd. The list goes on and on. They all worked. They learn to work first. I want you to think about this. God the Father thought it was important that Jesus was put in a carpenter work shed for 18 years. 18 years he worked as a carpenter. He worked with his father. 
He worked with other mentors. He worked with customers. He learned obedience by suffering. You know, I don't know about you, but I so appreciate anybody in retail right now. And when I check out, I thank them for their service. I thank them for being there. I think we've all come to the conclusion, people who are working right now, we're really grateful for it. So God thought it was important for Jesus to learn a trade with his hands and work along with people and customers and mentors and his father to learn. It says in Isaiah 7, 14, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Butter and honey shall he eat, that he may know to refuse the evil and choose the good. See that learning process as a child? In, in Luke 2, it says, he went, he went with Joseph and Mary and was subject unto them. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature. Stature means importance and reputation. Gained by ability and achievement. And in favor with God and man. Hebrews 5.8 says, Although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. Kids, you're all in here tonight. Everybody, all, every child, raise your hand. Every child, raise your hand. The only thing required of you right now is to obey your mom and dad and to learn from them. You're not, you don't have a job. You don't have to pay the bills. All God requires of you is to be a good son or daughter and submit to your mom and dad and learn obedience. I have said this to my kids raising my five children. If you can't obey your mom and dad whom you can see, how are you ever going to learn to obey a God that you can't? And we as parents and nanas have a wonderful responsibility to train up our children and grandchildren in these Life skills. I call them life skills. Learning to obey. Learning a trade. Learning how to work with their hands. Uh, you know, if you know me well, I like to talk about finishing strong. And that's implemented in anything. What you start, you should finish. So when the grandkids come down and make a total mess of my, of my home with their toys... Before they can go upstairs to eat or anything, they have to clean it up. It's not negotiable. That's finishing strong. To me, that's finishing strong. That's not leaving it for somebody else to pick up. That's your responsibility. And that's what we as parents and nanas should teach these young kids how to live that way, to grow up to be responsible adults. Amen or oh me. So are you seeing it? God values work. And whatever work you're in right now, he values that. Faithful servant is not what you do in the three hours of church. It's what you do with the other 21.
I remember reading years ago a sign that Billy Graham's wife had over her kitchen sink. Divine services held here three times a day. She got it. She got it. So I'm just curious. How many of you here are in full-time Christian service? Please raise your hand. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Okay, about maybe twenty. So in light of what I just said, how many of you are all in full-time Christian service? How many of you are working, doing something? If you're not doing anything, don't raise your hand. But if you're doing something, every hand should be up. I'm looking. I'm looking. See, if you don't acknowledge this, if you don't own it, if you don't make it you, you're going to go all through life just not making an impact for your life or anybody else's. Who's in full-time Christian service here? Every hand should be up. Amen. Do you get it? Do you see it? Do you see how valuable you are to the Lord? See, this is the difference between believing like the church or the Lord. What's, what mindset do you want? Do you see it? I think it's so important that we all get this. We are all in full-time Christian service. All of us. And we all have many opportunities to work that out. Many. I'll give you one personal example. I went to Home Depot to get some buckets. And uh, I got lids. And I, I'm checking out, realizing the amount of money that it is. And when he rings it up, he gives me a price of half. All right? And I look, and I think... Wow, probably took two pennies to make this plastic. Anybody else have thoughts like that that go through your head besides me? And I said, uh, I said, that can't be right. He said, well, yeah, it is. I said, I said did, did you ring up these lids? He said, oh, I thought those went with the buckets. I said, no, they don't. So he picked it up and rang it up. And now it came up to the amount that I knew my bill was. I looked at this young man, about 26, I would say, and he said to me, you know, you could have got on a Home Depot with half the price. I would never have known. <laughs> that's what he said to me. And I said, you know, young man, that's a true statement. I could have. However, I am a child of God and a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. I live a righteous life. And that is not just on Sunday morning. It's in Home Depot, too. And he looked at me. He shook his head like this. I said, is this a life, uh, a, a life, um, what I call it? Yes, a life lesson for you? He said, yes, ma'am, and I want to just thank you very much. Maybe he was struggling with stealing something from Home Depot. I don't know. But every day brings opportunities to live out who you are in Christ Jesus, not just Saturday night for a couple hours. Amen. Continual service. So important that we understand the importance of how God values you as a son or daughter and what you do and how you do it. 
if you're in a job that's legal, moral, helping your neighbor, you are in full-time Christian service. And that's what the Lord is looking for from all of us. There's plenty of hallelujah Saturday night, but how about Monday morning? Amen. See, it's perspective. It's how you think and the choices you make every day that make you compound to, to, to become who you are in Christ Jesus. Jesus is looking not only for those who have a personal faith, but for those who are in continual service, doing all things as unto the Lord. He gives us jobs to do, and he expects us to keep on doing them until he returns. And the Bible's got four fabulous stories in Matthew about that very thing. Number three, personal holiness. If we're headed for a wedding... Who's headed for a wedding? A wedding. A wedding feast with Jesus who will serve us. Glory to God. Do you ever wrap your head about that? Jesus is going to serve us at the wedding feast. And one of the first things a bride thinks about for her wedding is her dress. We are told in the book of Revelation, the marriage supper of the Lamb has come and the bride has made herself ready. She's dressed in fine white linen and that fine white linen are the righteous deeds of the saints, the good things that they've done, behaving righteously. That's getting your wedding dress ready to live right, to be preparing for the bridegroom and preparing your bride gown. The wedding feast, that's in Matthew 22. I think I'm going to go there. I got a few minutes. Turn your Bibles to Matthew 22, please. You can read right along with this. It's a story of the bridegroom, and people wouldn't come to the, to the party, to the wedding. And he sent forth his servants into the highways and the byways, and they made light of it. Look at, you have to understand, this is what the world is doing. They're making light of the gospel. He sent forth the servants saying, bid them to come in. I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come to the marriage. But they made light of it. And went their way, one to his farm, another to the merchandise. The remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. But when the king heard it, he was wroth. And he sent forth his armies and destroyed the murderers and burned their cities. And he said to the servants, the wedding is ready. But they which were bidden to come, they're not worthy. Boy, if that's not a prayer of mine every day, Father, that I may be called worthy to enter into your, the, the wedding feast. Do you ever think about that, that I may be worthy to come into your presence in the wedding feast? Go, therefore, into the highways and the byways and bid them to come in. That's the work of the evangelist, all of us. So the servants went into the highways. They gathered together all that, as many as they could find, and when the, when the king came in to see the guests, he saw one man which had not a wedding garment or a salvation garment, a garment of salvation. 
And he said, friend, how, why have you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. He didn't know what to say. And the king said to the servants, bind him, ham and foot. That means so he can't get back in and take him away and cast him out to utter darkness. For many are called, but few are chosen. Very sobering words of Jesus giving examples about how important it is that we are ready. How do, what's important about being ready today? See, if you think that the Lord's return is in the good by and by, you'll try to get away with as much as you can now. Right? That's the four stories that he talks about. He, he's the bridegroom. He's the businessman. Uh, he's the king. It is ta he's talking about himself and all the servants that he put in charge that had responsibility, and most of them behaved badly. They weren't ready for his return. Let that not be us. Amen. Um, Isaiah 61.10. Let's go there. Isaiah 61.10. Is this important to you? And it's a good question to ask yourself. What am I doing to stay ready? Isaiah 61.10 says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with a robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. Do you value that? Is that important to you? Turn to Revelations 3. Revelations 3, chap, uh, chapter 3, verse 4. Thou hast a few names, even in the, the Sardis, which, let's see if I have that right. Revelations 3, 4. Um, they have a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments. And they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. Revelation 19 Verse 7 through 9. 19, 7 through 9. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the Lamb is come and his wife has made herself ready. Do you see that? The, the wife, the bride, has made herself ready. Don't wait for somebody to make you ready. You make you ready. Don't try to blame somebody else or circumstances as to why you can't be walking righteously before the Lord. It says, the bride has made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. Glory to God. This is super, super important to the body of Christ right now. Getting ready. It's, let's turn to 2 Timothy. I want you to see something really important because there's a lot of deceived people on the earth today. How many of you know that? You know, in Matthew 24, when the uh, disciples came to Jesus and said, tell us, the signs of the end of the age, not the last days, because that happened, started in, in Pentecost, but the end of the age. And the first thing out of Jesus' mouth was, take heed to yourself 
that you be not deceived. Take heed to your neighbor. Take heed to your husband. Take heed to yourself that you be not deceived. Now, if you read Matthew 24 and 25, he talks about famines and pestilence and plagues and rumors of wars and wars and the whole list of all the signs of the end of the age. But four times he talks about deception. Not once. Four times. My antennas have just gone up, up, up. Father, I don't want to be deceived at the end of the age. That is a prayer of mine. I do not want to be deceived. So, Father, help me. Give me discernment. Give me your wisdom. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, not 16, I don't want 16, let's see, 1 through 6. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetedness, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents. Kids here, you don't want to be disobedient to your parents. Unthankful, it's a big one. Unholy, without natural affection. Truth breakers, false accusers, fierce despisers of those who are good. That's calling good evil and evil good. Boy, is that happening right now. Traitors, hidey, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. Ever learning, but never coming to the truth, to the knowledge of the truth. Ever learning, just getting puffed up with knowledge and this and that, but not learning the importance of truth. Don't be deceived. I know somebody personally, and maybe many of you do too as well. Personally, a woman who is a, who claims to be a born-again believer, and I'm not judging that, by the way, and teaches a Bible study and has lived in a lesbian um, relationship for 10 years, lying to her family about it for eight. Now, would you call that deception? Would you? Yes. That's the epitome of deception. Because you can't read the Bible and condone that and say it's okay and wink at it, that it's okay with God. Not Not if you're a truth seeker. Amen? We all have to be after the truth. Number three, God wants us all to be together for his return. We're going to be together after his return (laughs) for all of eternity. But he wants us to be together before he gets back. And that's the key word, together. Acts talks about being together in one place. They all had things together. Hebrews 10.35, forsaking not the assembling of yourself with other believers, especially as the day approaches. There is something about that super important to God because God never intended us to go it alone. We have to learn what it is to live with each other, with each other, believers, Christians, people alike. We sharpen each other. We find out what really is on the inside of us. 
how to react to different situations. If you don't want to change, this won't interest you. Because being around people will cause you to make decisions to change. Amen or oh me. If you want to be more like Jesus, God will bring people into your life that challenge you, cause you to be honest and reevaluate how you think, what you're doing, how you're responding. This is our growth. This is our journey. This is how God the Father planned it for all of us. And Jesus is there to give us more grace when we fall, when we have to humble ourselves and repent, when we're corrected and reproved and all that good stuff. I remember a, a, a little sign, to live above with saints I love, that will be glory. To live below with saints I know, that's another story. Right? It's true. I had a vision long time ago where a whole line of Christians were walking into heaven, and it was a line, an endless line, and they all had a tag hanging from them. And an angel had a pair of scissors, and it was cutting off all these tags. So I kind of got on a line, and I was curious, and I asked the angel, what are you doing? Oh, they don't need these, these labels in here. I said, so I started looking at the labels, and one was Catholic, one was Protestant, Lutheran, Pentecostal, the whole list. No, in heaven, we're all going to be disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. Glory to God, followers of Jesus. That's what we are right now. And we're to practice this. We better practice makes perfect, right? You want to be perfected in the Lord? Start practicing with one another. Glory to God. So when we're together, we can encourage each other. We can edify each other. We can build each other up. Unfortunately, the flip side of that is we can judge and criticize and, and accuse. But we know that's the old kingdom way of living, isn't it? And the more we're aware of that with one another, I mean, the more we encourage the right way to live, the more we'll become that. That's why we need each other. Iron sharpens iron. I've said many times people will say something really negative and I'll just say, you know, would Jesus be pleased with those words? You know, and that's not to be judging. It's to help people. I love it. Is Carol here? Carol, are you back there? All right. My friend Carol reminds me so much of my friend Kathy Greer back in Titusville. She uh, was a stickler for pronunciating the words correctly. And I got myself a Kathy Greer right here in, in Lancaster. And uh, she texted me some word I said that was incorrect. And she said, I hope you don't mind, but I just can't stand it. You know, I, and I get it. I do get it. I said, mine, thank you very much. I need help. So any way you can help me, help me. I hope I've been okay so far. <laughs> But see, we need each other. We do. And, and when you're corrected, take it. And, you know, I remember early on as a believer, people would say certain things to me, and I would go to the Father. I really still do. Father, is that from you? You know, a correction, a reproof, an adjustment. Is that from you? I've heard, yes, it is. You need to make an adjustment. And I've heard, no, it isn't. That came from a jealous heart. I've heard, I've heard it both. The Father will tell you. 
Do you know he wants to tell you? He wants you to know his heart more than you do. So we need each other. And correction and all that isn't fun on the flesh, but your spirit's doing cartwheels because we all want to be like Jesus. And that takes change. And the other flip side of that is, uh, it's not just whether you need them, it's whether they need you. You ever think about that? Who, you, who are you robbing from your presence and your giftings because you want to just not hang? Ever think about it that way? Because you're gifted, you're anointed, you've got special things about you that nobody else has, and we need you. We all need each other. Amen. Amen? Yeah. Number five, global evangelism. God has brought the world to us. We no longer have to. These flags are great. I'm not dismissing it. But do you know that Lancaster County has more refugees than any other place in the state of Pennsylvania? They're, they're in your neighborhoods. They're in your grocery stores. Some are next door. God's brought the world to us, and we've got to get involved in evangelism. And don't wait for a person or two people to do the job. God's looking at you. God does, I don't know your neighbors. I don't know your family. I don't know. But we can pray. God wants us to pray and get the heart of the Father and bring more into the kingdom of God. And we are all called to be evangelists. Just ask the Lord how to do it. In your sphere of influence, the people you touch. Amen? Loyal endurance, number six, the last one. Whatever you're really looking for, forward to, you will want as much of it as you can get right now. Because once the flesh is done, the flesh is done. Some will have fallen away by the time Jesus gets back. They'll have run out of oil in their lamps. And that is what's happening right now. They are forgetting their first love. They're foolish brides, foolish virgins. They just had enough to keep them going for a little while. But I don't know about you. I'm looking out here and I see marathon runners, not sprinters. We're not in for the sprint. We're in for the, the marathon. Amen? I'm going to give you uh, one more scripture in Philippians. And I'm going to read you one more thing and we're done. Philippians 2. Philippians 2. Are you there? Let's go see what Paul has to say. In Philippians 2... We're going to look at 1, 1 through 18. Do you mind if I read the word of God to you? I love reading the word above me talking, so here we go. If there be any, any for, any consolation in Christ, any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own thing, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation." And took upon him the form of a servant 
and was made in the likeness of man. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, all things in heaven, all things on earth, and all things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wherefore, my beloved, do you know you're the beloved of the Lord? Say that. I'm his beloved because you are. As you have always obeyed me, not as in my presence only, but now more than in my, more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmuring and complaining and disputing that you might be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Yea, if I be offered upon the sacrifice and service of your faith, I joy and rejoice with all of you. For the same cause, you joy and rejoice with me. It's a word of the Lord. Now, again, from faith to faith, I love this little devotional. And I picked it up. I was just kind of going through it. And I fell upon this one, and I thought, oh, Lord, only you. We're going to end with this because it brings together everything that the Lord would like you to hear from his heart tonight. Matthew 25, 6. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go we out to meet him. The Spirit of God is delivering a vital message to you today. And by the way, this was written in 1996. So keep that in mind. Get ready for Jesus' return. It's an old message, I know, but there's a fresh urgency to it, an urgency you can't afford to ignore. Some believers make the mistake of saying, oh, well, I just don't think we're supposed to know about the second coming. It's supposed to come upon us like a thief in the night, but they're wrong. The word of God says that as a children of light, we should not be taken by surprise. We should be so keen in the spirit that even though we don't know the day or the hour, we should sense the season of Jesus' return has come. 1 Corinthians 2.10 tells that, the God, that God reveals his plans to us through his spirit. I suspect that those who are walking in the spirit on the day of the Lord, when the day of the Lord comes again, will actually begin to anticipate that something is about to happen. Be like the five wise virgins in Matthew 25 who were prepared when the bridegroom's arrival was announced. Stay full of the oil of the Holy Spirit and let your light shine. Don't get caught up sleeping when Jesus returns. Wake up now to the Holy Spirit. 
Let him put you on the inside track and get you ready for the Lord. Because just as Jesus foretold, there is a cry going out at midnight. The Spirit of the Lord is announcing his return. Can you hear it in your spirit? Can you sense the Lord saying, get up and come out to meet me. Fellowship with me. Spend time in prayer. Get in the light now. And at that crucial hour, you'll be on the inside of my plans. Obey him quickly, for behold, the bridegroom cometh. This is a word of the Lord that the Father put in my heart to give you tonight. I hope you embrace it. I hope you take it. I hope you spend time. Yes. Okay. <laughs> spend time uh, intentionally in prayer, praying in the Spirit. And listen to the Lord, what he would have you do personally. Amen. Helping the body of Christ, helping one another, making any adjustments in your life. The Bible says to judge yourself while you can. And this is a, a, really a great time to be doing that. So, Father, we thank you for tonight. Thank you so much for the privilege and the honor that we never take for granted the assembling of ourselves together with like-minded believers, the very beautiful body of Christ, the temples of the Holy Spirit. Father, we know that you love this church. You have made that very evident. And you've put your love in each one of us. And we are so valuable to you. And you so value what we are doing in this local body together as family. Father, we thank you for that. We acknowledge your, your hand in it. And we give you all the praise and glory as you are continually growing us up into the stature of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we say, have your way. Amen? Amen. Worship team, you can come on up. Let's just spend time thanking the Lord and worshiping him giving him all the praise and glory for who he is in our life, what he has done for us, and what he is yet to do. Thank you, Karen. Let's all stand together. How many believe that God will do what he said he'll do? Yes. He's the God of the promise, right? That's what we're going to sing about first. <laughs> of change when we unbelieve a lie that we've believed for way too long when we've allowed the anointing of the Lord to heal any brokenness in our hearts 
And I just perceive in the spirit that the Lord's been walking around this assembly of people doing that very thing. Believe that, own it, receive it. Let the change begin in your heart and in your mind. Give way to the truth, embrace the truth. As we go out from here in the highways and the byways, as you go out in your full-time Christian service, continue to value what God has put in your hands to do for right now. And understand, He's looking at how you're doing it. Are you doing it as unto the Lord for His glory? Are you giving it your all? Be the evangelist. Be bold and ask God for opportunities this week to say something about Jesus into the heart, into the mind of someone else. Finish strong. Whatever you're doing, make that decision in your heart. I'm a strong finisher. I'm going to finish strong for Jesus. I'm not going to compromise any truth for anyone or anything. These decisions are made now when life is easy, not in the tough times. So make a determination in your heart to live for Jesus, spirit, soul, and body. Amen. God wants you to know how much he loves you. He is in love with you. He values your life. He values what you're doing. His eyes are ever on you. You're not in this alone. Look around. You're in a beautiful family called the body of Christ. If you have a need, there's a board downstairs or there's a, uh, somebody right next to you. There's an altar that's open if you need prayer. And we have fellowship downstairs with some finger licking food that we can fellowship around. So be the body of Christ and enjoy each other's company for the rest of the evening. God bless you all. Good evening, everyone. So great to see you all tonight. Thank you so much for coming. Praise the Lord. I'd like to encourage you in our worship time, and it is a worship time together. In Second Chronicles, you probably all know the story of uh, the enemy coming against the Israelites, and such a big, enormous number that they didn't know what to do, so they cried out to the Lord. Isn't that a good thing to do when you don't know what to do? cried out to the Lord. They fasted and prayed and the Lord gave him a word. Stand still. You, this battle you don't have to fight. I'm going to fight it for you. And uh, king, the king put the singers in front of the very soldiers that there were, were there to fight. It's pretty incredible. But what we can learn from this very graphic example in 2 Chronicles is praise precedes victory yes. it creates such a great atmosphere of God to move and it paralyzes the enemy and it should be our go-to 
um, there was so much victory that happened. It took three days to haul all the goods from the enemy. So what, what is something we should do when we're facing a problem that is way bigger than us? Is to shout, glory, hallelujah, and sing the praises, declare them, shout them out. It paralyzes the enemy. It brings all the heaven host on, on behalf, your behalf. It creates an atmosphere of victory. So let's stand up to, together tonight and let's create that kind of atmosphere corporately together this evening. The great mystery that's been hidden down through the ages that Jesus came and brought for each one of us. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Little did the old prophets know in the Old Testament that God the Father was going to take a period of time, 2,000 years, and insert it into the history of the Bible to where many brethren could come into the kingdom of God, the Gentile age, which we're living right now. So all the glory and all the praise goes to Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, who is willing and obedient to come take on a human body, God himself, and die on a cross shedding his very own blood, being buried and then resurrected from the dead to give us all resurrection life and bring us back with the opportunity to be in fellowship with the Father once again. Oh, what a glorious salvation. What a great salvation. Amen. Well, let's just give him praise and give him glory and thank him. Thank him from your heart tonight for the glorious redemption, that beautiful mystery that is now revealed. Father, we just thank you for it tonight. We give you all the praise for what you want to say and do this night. Our hearts are supple, good soil to hear a good word from God that will change our life forever. So, Father, thank you in advance. We give you all the praise and glory in the mighty name of Jesus. Well, one way we love God is by what? Loving one another. So turn to your neighbor and hug them and love them and tell them you're glad they're here. Amen. All the children stay in. This is fifth Sunday, except for the nursery. Good evening, everyone. If everyone could find their seats, we'll get started. It's time for tithes and offerings. I like to hear that. that. That should be what it's all about. You should be excited to give your tithes and offerings. So let me start with this. First of all, it is an honor to be up here. I'm thankful that I have the opportunity to speak to you this evening. And I'm also thankful that Karen was able to see me while I was sitting right here in front of her. No, she couldn't. She's looking out there and she said, where's Troy? And I'm right there. Anyhow, then to place that the Lord your God will choose to make his name dwell there. There you shall bring all that I command you, your burnt offerings and your sacrifices, your tithes and the contribution that you present and all your finest vow offerings that you vow to the Lord. Deuteronomy 12:11. I'm actually thankful that we no longer have to bring burnt offerings and sacrifices I just think about that and it sounds yuck to me. 
So, so I like the idea that when we do our tithes and offerings, it's with cash or card or something like that. But that's really not what I wrote down. I just thought about that right now when I was reading it. Yeah. So in many churches today, the subject of tithes and offerings is a neglected subject, but that's not the case here at CWI, as we all know. From my experience, learning about the benefits of paying tithes and offerings is exciting and reminds me of just how edifying it is when we obey God's commands. Notice that I use the word benefits. God's requirement of tithing is for our benefit. It's not for his benefit. God doesn't need our cash. He doesn't need our money. It's all his already. Money, however, is something that impacts all of our lives and is a good area in which to test our hearts. As you all should know, the tithe is how much? 10%. It's 10% of our first fruits. That's correct. Yes, first fruits. It's 10% of our first fruits. It's not 10% of what's left over after paying our taxes and obligations. It's not 10% of what's left after we buy our groceries and pay our bills. It's 10% of our gross earnings. That's our first fruits today. Oh, lest I forget to say it, tithing is also not an option. It's not an option. Did you hear that? Tithing is not an option. It's a command that predates the law of Moses and is as real today as when it was back in Abraham's time. Tithing is also not a gift to God. A lot of people think that when you give your tithes, you're giving a gift to God. It's not. The money that we earn or are given is a gift from God already. I like to think of tithing, and this might sound a little weird, but I like to think of tithing as kind of God's property tax for us using his earth. Think about it that way. And what's really cool about it is that it's equal for all of us, no matter how much we earn, since it's always 10% of our first fruits. Think about the taxes that we pay to the government. It's not all equal. Some pay 10%, some pay 5%, some don't pay any, some, some pay 50%. That's not equal. But at least God is asking us for an equal tithe. That's 10% of our first fruits. Christians who claim to acknowledge Jesus as Lord have no excuse for not paying their tithe. No matter how much money they make, it's a matter of our faithfulness and our obedience to God. Yes, tithing is an act of faith, and it's also an act of obedience that we are commanded in the word. Let me read to you from Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 to 10, which we've heard before, but it's worth hearing again. Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have I robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Just think about what that says. Now, I'll be honest with you. Years ago, when I was a whole lot younger, I won't tell you when, but tithing was not something that I was always obedient to paying. And I'm not asking any of you to think about that or raise your hand or say, if you do or you don't. But it took me years of my young adult life to get to the point where I understood what tithing was all about and how important it was and how it was a command. And it wasn't something that was an option for me. 
Now, when my wife and I sit down at home and we begin writing the bills each month, we first determine how much we need to pay to cover our tithes and offerings. Then we pay the bills. Ever since we put our faith into action and paid our tithes and offerings consistently, we have never had to worry and struggle with our bills and wonder, is our income going to meet all of our obligations? In fact, the obligations are always less than the income. If that's not you, it can be. If you've been asking the question, shall I pay my bills or pay my tithe, you probably want to sit down and reread Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 to 10. It's very clear that he, God, will pour out his blessings upon you until there is no more need. God is faithful when it comes to his promises, always. Failure in this area, by the way, of paying tithes is in fact robbing God, as it says in Malachi 3.8. Being faithful to God is paying the tithe first, then looking at the rest of your bills and believing in God's provision. If he, if we will put God first, then he is going to answer all that we have as needs. Did you know that God also requires offerings? How many people knew that? God also requires offerings. Yes, he does. Tithes are not a gift, but payment of an obligation. Whereas offerings are a gift. Tithes go to the church and belong to God. You have no right, did you know this? You have no right to direct your tithes or to withhold them. You aren't supposed to say, here's my tithe, put it towards this. Or here's my tithe, I want you to pay that. No, it's up to the church to do that. However, with offerings, offerings are a gift and something that you're giving into the kingdom to build the kingdom. So you can use your offerings to help the poor or to buy something for somebody in need or to help somebody you see on the street that is there and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit speaks to and says, you need to help. That's considered an offering. And it's up to you how much you give as an offering. But let me tell you, the more you give, the greater God multiplies. I want that multiplication. But I don't want it in a sense of greed. I don't want it because, to say I'm giving my offering so that I get in return. I'm giving my offering because I know I'm getting in return. I know what God can do because I've seen it in my life. So I challenge you, if you haven't been tithing, I challenge you to start tithing and tithing the full 10%. And if you haven't been giving offerings, give offerings. Find a place that somebody has a need. And I guarantee you, God will multiply. So if the ushers will come forward, please. Envelopes, yes, I have that written here, by the way. If anybody needs an envelope for cash giving, please raise your hand. And to give them even just a few seconds to prepare, Gene, would you pray over the tithes and offerings this morning, or this evening? Thanks. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy. We know based on the word of God that it endures forever. So, Father, we just come to you right now in our faithfulness. Not because we have to, but because we honor and we love you, Father. So we bring this back to you. Multiply it. Bless the hands that have to distribute it. That your kingdom will be glorified through this giving. Meet all the needs of this church. Meet all the needs of 
<clears throat> the body as well. And we, we will be careful to give you the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name. So while the tithes and offerings are being received, what I'd like to do is I'd like to uh, tell you a story. And this story goes along with offerings because it's about something that we give offerings towards. Very often people give offerings towards different mission organizations. And it's very important because that's the way the mission organizations are able to survive and able to continue doing the work that they do in the kingdom. So... You might be thinking, well, where am I going to give my offering today? Because in just a few moments, because today is um, our mission Sunday, our mission Saturday, I still say that. It's still in my brain Sunday, yeah. Uh, but since it's mission Saturday, uh, you're going to have the opportunity to give toward missions in one way, shape, or form. So I tell you this story because it's something that's dear to my heart and also because my team, Ghana Initiative, is actually in Ghana right now. They're in Ghana right now serving serving the people, the, the needy people there. And it, it's hard on my heart because I'm not there. I'm not with them. And uh, if you want to know why, you can ask me that later on, but uh, I'm not. However, a few years ago, there was a young man that was brought to us. And I'm, some of you may have heard this story before, but I think it's well worth telling. A young man was brought to us, and this man, young man was, a, at the time, 12 years old. And he hadn't spoken since he was about two years old. And his mother was very distraught. She didn't know what to do. And she came to our doctors and she asked our doctors, would you please pray for this? Pardon me. Would you please give this child something so that he can speak? And our doctors just looked at each other and then they looked over at me and they said, what can we do? And I said, we can pray. We can pray. So the lady fortunately was, was open to prayer. We took the young man and the mother and a number of other people that were willing to pray into another room in a school where we were. And we prayed over this young man and not for long. And we simply asked the Lord to give him back his speech, to allow this young man to open his mouth and to speak. And within just a few moments of prayer, that young man opened his mouth and he began to speak. He began to speak fluently in his language, Twi, and he was asking his mother if she could give him lunch before he would just point. She was at, he was asking for lunch. And within a few more seconds, he wasn't just speaking in Twi, he was now speaking fluently in English. Again, because mom hadn't given him lunch yet. Now he thought, I better use English so I can do it as well. So God is working miracles today. He's doing great things all around us. It's just a matter of taking the opportunity to pray and believe, and you truly will receive. So we're going to receive our tithes and offerings this evening. Uh, pardon me, we're going to receive our offerings for um, whatever mission that you feel it is meant to go to. And perhaps you already figured that out, or maybe you want to give more. Who knows? So here we go. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity that we have to give, to give our offerings, offerings that are going to benefit the kingdom, offerings that are going to grow the kingdom, offerings that are going to bring people into the kingdom, offerings that are going to help those that are out serving all around the world as well as here in our local communities. We are incredibly honored to be able to give, and thank you for this, this opportunity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
if you do need an envelope, there are more envelopes here. As you can see, this is not what I do normally. Good evening. Grab your bulletin, grab your phone or your pen, make notes. There's lots coming up. Okay. So we're going to start with the how many people come on Wednesday mornings for prayer? How many people remember that we have prayer every Wednesday morning? Nine o'clock. We have prayer here at the church every Wednesday, 9 o'clock. Feel free to come and join that. And then on Saturday evening at 5 o'clock, just come a little earlier, and there's prayer downstairs in the prayer room. So those things are, are always available, and it's always good to be prepared in prayer for the service for you and for those that are speaking. So 5 o'clock on Saturday evening. Now, here we go with all the things that we have coming up. Next Sunday is um, CityGate in Columbia. Yes, how exciting. There is a sign-up sheet out there. P please feel free. If you have any questions, Karen, you're going to want to talk to Karen. She can fill you in. If you haven't gone, um, you, you want to sign up and go. So that's next Sunday. Next Sunday evening or afternoon, I'm sorry, is Youth and Young Adult Impact. And it's in the afternoon this week because it's a swimming party. And how exciting. And it's at the uh, Levi Lapps home. So if you need directions or need an address, see Josh or Alicia. And this is the swimming party is where we invite the 8th kids going into eighth grade this year for this coming year. So that would be, you can come and see what happens at this youth and young adults thing. There will be pizza. Oh, I'm sorry. It's one o'clock to 4.30, not five o'clock. 4.30, my mistake. There will be pizza available and there will be water provided, but if you want to bring a snack to go along with your pizza, do that, or if you have a special um, something that you want to share, bring that along. And then on the 14th, we have the Ayers Luau. And I just asked Roz tonight, what happens if it rains? She says, bring an umbrella. <laughs> because they don't have a rain date, so just plan to come We'll have fun. We had so much fun last year, and even if it rains, we'll have fun again. If you have any questions, you want to talk to Bree, and her number is in the um, bulletin. Then coming up on August 20th, we have a men's group meeting on Saturday morning. Everyone listening? Okay, you want to see Josh if you have any questions on that. There will be a sign-up sheet next week out in the back lobby. And then on the 27th, there's going to be a children's ministry tra training on Saturday morning. I told you there's lots to do. You better get your phone out or your pen or read the bulletin. That's a good idea. Okay. 
Um, so that'll be in the morning, 9 to 11 on the 27th. The 28th, which is Sunday, is our church picnic. And we all know what happens at the church picnic. We eat too much. We laugh a lot. We play games. We play cornhole. We play softball. So everybody just planned to come. But we are asking that you sign up so we have an idea how many people will be coming. And it's the same place that it always is at East Lampeter Park. But there is a sign-up sheet out there. Um, and LTS is getting ready to start their new semester. They will be starting September 10th, so you should RSVP to Kelly by the August 31st. Sorry, I didn't put that in my notes. So that's coming up just around the corner, and it's a year-long one Saturday a month and one Monday night a month, but you get much more out of it than that. Okay, and in the back, I have these little forms. Didn't put it in the bulletin this week, but I have these little forms back there. If you have changed your address recently or you changed your phone number and I try to call you and know some strange person answers the phone and I go, they didn't fill out a form. So if you've moved or have a new phone number, please pick one of these up and then either just leave it lay on that table or give it back to me so that I can have everything, all the addresses and emails and all those wonderful things up to date. Thank you so much. So are we ready? Sit back and get ready to soak in what God has for us. Karen? Thank you, Debbie. Thank you, Troy. I love this body. It is fabulous, isn't it? Uh, if you don't realize there's a lot going on here, I don't know what else. That's a, that's a litany of things that we have coming up. So make sure you plug into all or many as you can. Super important that we're the body of Christ doing life together. Amen. Um, I've got a couple great testimonies I want to start with, and you may have heard of some of these, two of these, but I think we've got, we've got some rejoicing to do. Last time I was in the pulpit, I mentioned about the Hemfield Transgender Club after school and as they paraded half naked through the school. Do you remember that? Do you? All right. I was really ramped up about that. <laughs> And uh, really took it into prayer. And so did several other people. We started doing prayer walks around the school. And uh, how many of you know God answers prayer? I hold in my hand July 12, 2022, a regular board meeting. And on July 12th, it came up on their list, a sex-based sex distinction in athletics. That was the topic. The purpose was, the policy outlines one of the few situations where sex is relevant and justifies differential treatment. 
separate athletic teams on the basis of sex preference, fairness, provide increased opportunity for girls and are safer. As such, the district provides separate interscholastic athletic teams on the basis of sex. So the definition, they, they define sex, is defined as a biological distinction between male and female based on reproductive biology and genetic makeup. Sex and biological sex may be used... Um, wrong paper here. Anyway, I don't need to go on with that, but they're making a distinction between male and female. Athletic teams or sports designated for females, women, or girls shall not be open to students of the male sex and athletic teams or sports designated for males, men, or boys. Glory to God. Sports designated to males, men, or boys shall not be open to students of the female sex. This was passed by a majority. Only two said no, and the rest of them said yes. Now, what's important about this is it sets a precedent in Lancaster County. No other uh, school has done it. Hempfield's the first. Glory to God. I just want to thank the Lord and give him all the glory. But I, I want us to realize that Jesus is at the intersection of the supernatural and the natural. We do what we can in the natural. He comes in and does what he, what he does in the supernatural. We have a part to play. And we do our part. God shows up. This is phenomenal. And right here across the street, our turf, this got overturned. <laughs> Glory to God. So all the other school districts are now looking at that. And I dare say you set, you set the stage, there's going to be a domino effect for that. I just, I'm so thankful about that. I can thank you, thank you, thank you for all of you who did prayer walks and got together, and let's just, just give Jesus all the glory for that. But thank you for getting involved. Amen? Second thing is a testimony that happened to our pastor and his wife and family. Um, they're on their way uh, to vacation, to a family vacation. And on the way, their transmission broke in their car. They got as far as Harrisburg, they just sensed something was wrong, but they got back in the car and it worked perfectly fine. So they kept on going to Summer, Somerset, I believe, Somerset. So uh, they got out, they came back in, and the car wouldn't go forward. So there, there they are, stuck in Somerset. And uh, as they were there, they inquired of the Lord. Isn't that the first thing we should do? They inquired of the Lord, what should we do? And how should we, should we get back home and rent a car? They were just looking at all their different options. And the Lord put in their heart, Steve Lavis, his name. Now, Steve's got a car equal to, this, to the room of their car. So they could all pile in there with all their stuff that they had for vacation and come back home. 
and then regroup. Meanwhile, the Lord puts it on Steve's heart just to give them their car so they can be on their merry way. What I want you to see is two things from this. Number one, Philippians 4.19 says, But my God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. Long before you have a need, God, your Father, has already got your provision laid up. Do you believe that? See, I believe that. I've lived my life, the majority of my life, by that. The Lord knows your need long before you know you have a need, and he's already provided the provision of it, according to Philippians 4.19. I just happen to believe that scripture. So long before that transmission gave out in Somerset, God the Father already had their provision laid up. And it came by a family in this body that God put it on their heart to give them the car for their vacation. That's how the Lord works. And now, as a body, we can all be in agreement to pray that Jesus is the Alpha and Omega. He's going to uh, figure out or have already, for the wisdom of God, their, their complete need of a vehicle. However that comes, it's already been laid up for them. Can you believe in faith for that? Can you declare and thank the Father for a vehicle uh, that will suit their family and their needs to be that provision to be provided for them when they come back? Can we all be in agreement for that? Is that a hearty amen? Thank you. Amen. I just believe it. The second is Ephesians 4.16 talks about the hands and feet of Jesus and the members of the body of Christ. And how we are to work together, helping one another. That's really what it comes down to. So I see both of these happening in this particular beautiful testimony. Again, Jesus gets all the glory and all the praise. Amen? So beautiful. Now, Debbie had mentioned Wednesday morning prayer. And I can't begin to tell you or encourage you to come out at 9 o'clock. We get together for one hour. And John has um, agreed to come up and free uh, play in the, uh, in the spirit music, which has just upgraded our time together. There's a difference between personal prayer and corporate prayer. I don't know, I can't explain it, but I just know the presence of the Lord is so thick and I really encourage you, if you have a time opening from 9 to 10 on Wednesday, please come. It is really um, an incredible time to pray together with the body of Christ. Well, that Wednesday, this past Wednesday, um, <clears throat> the Lord told me before I was walking out the door, <clears throat> excuse me, and he told me to get this book. It's, it's called Faith, From Faith to Faith by Kenneth and Gloria Copeland. And he said, I want you to take that and read it before you pray. And I said, okay, I forgot my glasses, so Karen read it for me. I didn't even know what it said. But when we got here, it is what I was going to be talking to all of you about tonight. Isn't that beautiful how the Lord works? It starts off with be separate. 2 Corinthians 6.17, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. 
We're surrounded by a world which is ruled for the most part by Satan. How can we avoid getting caught up in it? How can we stand apart? You'll find the answer in John 17, 17. John 17 is the high priest prayer of Jesus. We've talked about that in the past. There Jesus was speaking to his father about all those who would believe on him. Sanctify them through thy truth, he said. Thy word is truth. Sanctify means to separate unto. So Jesus was saying, separate them by the word. The word separates. When you initially believed the word of God, you were born again. You were separated spiritually from the kingdom of darkness and separated into the kingdom of light. Glory to God. Amen. Now that's where a lot of people stop. They let the word of God do its initial separating work and then go right on living like everybody else. Spiritually, they're still separated from death, but physically, mentally, emotionally, they're up to their neck in it. They're poor, they're sick, they're worried, they're confused, they're complaining, they're upset. In other words, they're just like everybody else in the world. Amen or oh me. But if you'll give the word of God first place in your life, it will continue to separate you from the poverty and the anxiety and the sickness and the hatred and the darkness of your old habits. There's something else that the word of God will do for you too. It will not only separate you from the things of the world, it will separate you to the things of God. You can't simply separate yourself from any old destructive habit without separating yourself to something else. Do you see that? You've got to do something else to get in a different direction. You can't turn away from the things of the world unless you turn to something stronger. Make sense? I'm telling you, you can scream and squall and kick the altar bench and everything else trying to get rid of the sin in your life. You can cry, dear God, take this sin away from me. But all that begging in the world won't separate you from your sin. It's the word that does that. Make a decision to give the word first place in your life. Make it a quality decision, a decision from which there is no retreat. Lock into the word and let the word do its work. Let it separate you from the things of the world to the things of God. And I want to give you a scripture on that in 2 Corinthians, if you're taking notes. 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 6. We're going to start at verse 14. 2 Corinthians 6. But be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what concord has Christ with Baal? Or what part has he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement have the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. And I will be their God and they will be my people. 
Wherefore, come out from among them, saith the Lord, and be separate, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and you will be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord. Amen?